Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Jar. My name's Chris, and we're so glad you chose to hang out with us today. We are in the middle of a series called Stand, in which we've been looking at uh, the story of a guy by the name of Daniel, whose story is found in the Old Testament, uh, the first half of the Bible. And we've been looking at the different ways that he took different stands. In week one, we talked about him uh, standing out. In week two, we talked about him standing up. And today, what I want to talk about is how he could stay strong uh, and stand strong even in the midst of opposition. And that's what I want us to talk about. Some of you are going through some opposition maybe right now in your own life. And how do you stand strong? And we're going to do that by looking at a story uh, of his called Daniel and the Lion's Den. It's kind of a, a very familiar story in the Bible. Now, I want to begin by letting you know that I have great respect for lions. Um, a couple of weeks ago, our family went to the Fort Wayne Zoo. And when we got to the zoo and we went to the exhibit of lions, I was amazed at how many of the people had little respect. People were coming up and they were knocking on the glass. Other people were like going, roar, trying to see if it would roar. And one person, I kid you not, they picked up their, their kid and said, here's food for the kitty. And I'm like, ah, like seriously. I've always had a lot of respect uh, for lions to the point where when you get to the lion exhibit, I step back and let everyone else get up in front because I always think to myself, what if they escape? Like, what if they get out? If I'm not right up close to it, I will not be the first one to get mauled. So when we go to the exhibit uh, a couple of weeks ago, my wife and my daughter were there and I let them go first right up to the front um, because I'm that much of a man. Now, uh, the truth is that we had a lion that actually lived beside us. Our neighbor had a lion. The lion's name was Charlie. Here's a picture of Charlie right now. And don't look at that thing and think it's like cute and cuddly and there's no like issues with it. This is what I call a poodle lion. And Charlie was not a nice little poodle. He was a poodle lion. He had the mane and uh, whenever you would walk by their house or you'd ride their bike, he would bark and trying to get you and he'd nip at your feet and, and it was just terrifying and scary. Now, his owner was Mr. Whaley, who was a very kind man, uh, very generous, and uh, he had an amazing garden, and our garden stunk. Uh, like, my dad was horrible at gardening, but we had to do it. And uh, he, he the, Mr. Whaley, he was retired, he spent all of his time there, and he had tons of, like, you know, vegetables and fruits for us. And one day, he said, come on over and uh, I've got some tomatoes for you. So I went over to get the tomatoes, and all of a sudden, there's the poodle lion Charlie. He goes through the fence, and he bites my calf. And I'm holding the tomatoes, and I look down, and I thought it was red from the tomatoes. It was blood rushing from my calf. And I look at Mr. Whaley, and he's like, why are you crying? You don't like tomatoes? 
And I'm like, no, your dog bit me. He goes, oh, Charlie wouldn't bite anybody. And then he looked down, he's like, oh, you're bleeding. And so I run back to the house with all of my tomatoes, and uh, I tell my mom and dad, and they're like, oh my gosh, we got to take you to the ER. We go to the ER, we get a tetanus shot, and I want you to know, ever since that day, I have respected poodle lions. And you should too, okay? Now, Daniel was not going against the poodle lion, folks. It was the real deal, actual lions. And today, we're going to look at his story and how he stood strong. Now, as we enter the story, what we need to realize is that Daniel is not real young. He's about 80 years old. And there is a different king who is a part of the kingdom. His name is King Darius. Now, King Darius, what he was known for is he was an administrative giant. He was a genius when it came to administration. And so what he did was he restructured the entire kingdom and he put 120 satraps. And uh, what a satrap, what that word means is a kingdom protector. These 120 people were designed to protect the kingdom. And they were selected um, by the king, but then there were three administrators who oversaw the 120 satraps. So you have the king, three gigantic administrators, and then the 120 kingdom protectors. They were kind of like our IRS agents on steroids, okay? These 120 people, what they did was they went out to get as much uh, taxes and service from other people. And then these three administrators had a job to make sure there was no corruption or rebellion from these 120 people. And Daniel was one of the three administrators. He was one of the big three kahunas in the kingdom. And in chapter 6, verse 3, this is what we read. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him, in other words, to put him in charge over the whole kingdom. Now, this sounds like a great day for Daniel, doesn't it? I mean, you have been elevated to be second in charge. You're like vice president of the kingdom. And from the outside, it looks really good, but when this happened, it brought a lot of opposition to Daniel, and we're going to find out what did Daniel do. You see what happened? There were three administrators, remember, and he only chose one, Daniel, to be that person. Well, what do you think the other two people did? They got ticked off. And they start thinking to themselves, plotting, how are we going to get rid of this guy? They like go hunger games on him, okay? And they are going to remove him. They're like, we're going to take him out. We're going to do whatever we can to get rid of him. We're going to take him down. But what we're going to see is that Daniel stands strong with supernatural faith and supernatural strength that came to him from a relationship of being with God, the living God, for over 80 years. And so from Daniel chapter 6, what I want to share with you this morning is three ways that you can stand strong in the midst of opposition. When opposition is coming to your life, how do you stand strong? And so 
Here's the first fill-in. You can go ahead and put it in your program, or if you're on the app, uh, just go ahead and put it on your phone. And here's the first one to stay strong. When God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. How do you know you're going to stand strong? Because I know that when God raises me up, I know that people are going to tear me down. This ever happened to you before? Have you ever been raised up in your job and you're thinking to yourself that the rest of your coworkers are going to be so happy for you? They'll be like, man, we're so glad that you got this. And all of a sudden they get critical and nasty and they get jealous and they start trying to put you down. How about when you became a Christian? Have you ever had that experience before where you're growing in your faith, you're learning more about God, you're trying to understand Him more, and you think that your family and friends are going to be so excited and happy for you, and then all of a sudden they start making fun of you, and like, oh, you're the Miss Goody Two-Shoe, or you're Mr. Goody Two-Shoe, you're you're doing all that, you're putting on a front. It kind of reminds me, of what I've heard of as the crab syndrome. If you take a whole bunch of crabs and you put them in a container or in a bucket, typically what happens is one of the crabs decides, I can't take it anymore. I'm getting out of here. It's like Popeye. I can't stand it anymore, you know? And all of a sudden, you can see uh, one crab trying to get out. He's like, dude, I'm out of here. I can't take it. I am going. And pretty soon, what happens is the rest of the crabs come and try to start taking that crab down. Actually, they do it like this, I guess. They're like, no, no, if we can't be free, you can't be free. And they try to pull that Person, They try to pull that crab back down. Folks, when God raises you up, what will often happen is people will try to tear you down. And we see this played out in Daniel's story in verse 4. It says this, At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. In other words, they're like, we're going to find out where he has been corrupt. In some way, we're going to do that. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him. Why? Why couldn't they find corruption in him? Because he was trustworthy. He was neither corrupt nor negligent. Verse 5. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. And so what these guys do is they devise a plot to take Daniel down. Folks, as Daniel stands out, as he stands up, as he stands strong, what happens is he faces opposition. And this is what I want to let each of you know. If you choose to obey God, if you choose to do the right things, what will happen is people will try to bring you down. You're going to find some opposition among your being. I mean, Christianity, folks, is not some wimpy religion. 
It is a powerful relationship, but you will be challenged. Well, in our story, uh, Daniel becomes challenged. And as he becomes challenged, uh, there is this sense of opposition that comes to him. With Daniel, what happens is these two administrators decide that they're going to try to figure out how they're going to stop him. And so this is their plan. They're like, hey, let's go to the king. We'll butter him up. And they do. I don't know exactly how they did that, but they walked in. They're like, king, you're looking good. Man, king, you've been working out. Man, you are so buff. Woo! King, you are not even a king. You know what you are? You are a god. And all of a sudden, the king kind of gets real big. Darius is like, yeah. He said, king, what about this idea? Let's go ahead and do this. For the next 30 days, let's say that no one in the kingdom can pray to anyone else except you. You're going to be our God for the next 30 days. And if anyone prays to any other God, they're going to be thrown into a lion's den. And so King Darius thinks about this, gets a little bit cocky, kind of gets, you know, proud. He's like, that sounds good, guys. Man, this is the best plan you've ever had. This is going to be great. If anybody prays to any other God except me for the next 30 days, they're going to be a lion's lunch. They're like, yeah. And he says, then I'll have control and I'll have rule. Well, as you can imagine, this creates a little problem for Daniel. You see, the other administrators knew that Daniel was a man of prayer. And the question becomes, what's Daniel going to do? He's a man of prayer, but now he's told he can't pray to anyone except the king. Well, I was thinking about it, and I think he had kind of three options. First of all, Daniel could stop praying. I mean, he could just go to God and be like, God, I've been praying for 80 years. I mean, 80 years, God. How about I just take a month off? It's no big deal. 30 days. I won't do it. We'll be good. I'll just take a month off. That okay, God? That good? I just won't pray. Now, the second one is one in which I was thinking to myself that I probably would choose, and I would fake it. You know what I mean? Like, when people come around... And they're looking at you. You could just fake it. You could just pray silently. Like when people are around, you know, I could just kind of go like this. And when someone would come up and go, Bunch, what are you doing? You praying? I'd be like, nope, I'm just thinking. Takes me a lot sometimes to do that. So sometimes I'm just thinking. So, he could stop praying, he could, he could fake it and just pray silently, or a third thing that he could have done is continue to publicly pray, pray aloud, and risk death. And that's what Daniel was willing to do, because he had faith in his God. So here's my question. What in the world builds that kind of bold, audacious faith? I mean, that you're willing to go against even to the point of dying. What is that kind of faith? And that kind of leads me to our second truth that you need 
when you're trying to stand strong, and it's this. Kneeling to pray is what gives you strength to stand. Kneeling to pray is what gives you strength to stand. Verse 10 is so powerful. It says this. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree, the law had been published, what did he do? He went to his home, to his upstairs room, where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he did what? Let's read this underlying part together, all in one. Everybody that's on the stream, join us as well. But what did he do? This is what Daniel did. He got down on his knees and prayed. What did he do again? He got down on his knees and prayed. He prayed three times a day, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. You know, one of my problems, and maybe it's one of your problems too, is that sometimes when I'm facing opposition, the first place I turn to is myself. I try to figure it out myself. I try to control the situation. I try to manipulate. Sometimes I panic. And I think the God of the universe, when we do this, looks down and is like, really? Really? That, like, that's your first choice. And many times, I'll even find it in my mind, or I'll say it out loud. I've heard other people say it out loud. I've heard some of you say this out loud before. After you've kind of done all of your options, you just go, well, I guess the only thing we can do now is pray. I guess we'll just pray. And I think the God of the universe looks down at us and is like, say what? Like you're going to do everything else first before you pray. And many times this is what people do. They panic first, and then if they have to, they pray. They panic over prayer. So, what if rather than saying, well, all we can do now is pray, what if we actually changed our mentality and the very first thing that came to us was, we can pray. Like the thing that we could do about this right now is we could pray. We can come before the God of the universe and call on His name because He loves to answer our prayer. He loves to listen to you because He loves you. Now, notice, when Daniel prayed, he also didn't make a huge public spectacle out of it. He didn't go like on the street corners with a great big bullhorn. Have you ever seen this before in big cities before? People will come with a big bullhorn and they'll be like starting to pray. And Lord, be with all these people who are sinners and are going to hell. Well, that makes you want to try out Jesus, right? Like that's what I want is a big bullhorn. And, and this was not Daniel's perspective. No, he didn't do that at all. He did what he had done before. It's so important to see that in the verse. He did what he had done before and he prayed to his great God. You know, according to the Gallup poll, uh, 90% of all Americans say that they believe in prayer. They believe in prayer. My question would be, how many of you are actually praying? It's one thing to say, I believe in prayer. 
It's another thing to actually pray. And the thing that I've noticed in my own life, in my own spiritual journey, the only time I pray, folks, is when I predetermine or I predecide that I'm going to pray. When I actually say, I'm going to place this in my schedule, that's when I choose to pray. I've got to make a meeting with God. And so for me, this is the way it happens. In the morning, uh, before I wake up, I stay in bed. And the night before, what I do is I take off my glasses and I slide them underneath my bed. Almost every single day. And when I wake up after the alarm goes off, I don't get out of bed. I stay in bed and my very first thing is a prayer that looks like this. It's a prayer of surrender, asking God for help. I go, God, thank you for another day. And right now, I surrender my mind to you. I want to have the mind of Christ everywhere I go. Then I go down on my body to my eyes. God, I pray and I surrender my eyes to you that I would only look at things that would honor you. And God, I surrender my ears to you. And today, I pray, God, that I would listen twice as much as I would talk. And God, I surrender my mouth to you that I would only say things that encourage other people. And God, uh, if I'm thinking something bad, God, would you shut my mouth? Help me to have the strength to shut it. God, I surrender my heart to you. And I do that because my heart is deceptive above everything else. I don't have a pure heart many times. So God, I surrender that to you. I surrender my hands to you that my hands would be used to serve other people. I surrender my feet to you that as I walk through this day, I would only walk where you want me to walk. And after I do that, I roll out of bed and I actually get on my knees and I can't see worth a darn. So I go ahead and I get my glasses from under that and I go, God, today I surrender my whole life to you. Now, it usually takes about three to five minutes. There isn't some big fanatical thing. I don't like spin around and like, whoo, Holy Spirit, hallelujah. No, it's just every morning I predetermine that's the way I'm going to do my day. That's how I'm going to start my day. And you, if you want to pray to God, you've got to predetermine how that's going to be. Folks, this is what I can guarantee. If you don't predetermine in your life the night before when you're going to pray, guess what? Not going to do it. You only do the things that you choose to plan to do. Now, again, notice Daniel's posture in the prayer. What did it say he did? He knelt. He knelt. How did Daniel have the strength to stand? He Knelt. You see, the reason he could stand before people is because he knelt before God. Let me say that again. The reason he could stand before people, people who were opposing him. See, many times we don't want to stand because we're afraid. But the reason why he could stand before people is because he knelt in the presence of God. Now, I just need to be honest with you, though. That if you kneel before God, it doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean that things are always going to work out exactly the way that you want them to work out. Uh, there's many times where I've knelt in prayer, I've prayed for things, and circumstances don't happen the way that I want them to happen. 
I mean, the truth is, the lions could have still eaten Daniel. God could have chosen not to rescue him. There's many stories in the Bible where people were just as faithful as Daniel. They knelt in prayer. They did that. And for whatever reason, they were not rescued. Uh, The point is this, folks. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He's working out things in the middle of your story and you haven't come to the end. You don't know what might happen. So I cannot promise you that if you take a stand that there aren't going to be some consequences that you face, that something's not going to go against you, that people are not going to look at you differently, that you're not going to find some resistance, that you're not going to be left out or overlooked or end up hurting sometimes. Maybe sometimes you even feel worse when you stand, but you stand because this is what I can promise to you, and it's your last fill-in, and it's this. When you do what's right, you can always trust God with the results. When you choose to do what's right, no matter the consequences, you can trust God with the results. You see, folks, part of the problem for us is that when things don't go right in a particular time, you're only in the middle of your story. And Daniel, the struggle was, he was only in the middle of his story. It wasn't the end of his story. He didn't know that one of the most famous Sunday school lessons for kids uh, that happen anywhere is Daniel and the lion's den. Like he wasn't thinking to himself, oh boy, I really hope I get a you know Sunday school spot. I mean, he wasn't thinking that. He he was thinking, you know what? For 80 years, God has been faithful to me. And He has been with me all the time. And if God has been faithful to me for 80 years, I'm going to choose to be faithful to Him. And this is what he was saying. If He choose to save me, I'll trust Him. But if He chooses not to save me, I will still trust my God. So King Darius, as you can imagine, he's devastated. Why? Because he loved Daniel. He had placed Daniel as second in command. He didn't want any harm to come to him. But he knew that these two administrators had put him into a corner. And he knew if he turned course, if he said, no, I'm not going to do that for Daniel, he'd lose the kingdom. And he had too much pride for that to happen. He didn't want to lose the confidence of the people. So he removes everyone from the palace. He says, everyone get out of here. And King Darius goes and he prays and he fasts, asking that somehow the lions would not overtake Daniel And yet they place him into the pit in the lion's den. Now, we're not really sure exactly, Scripture doesn't tell us, exactly what happens when Daniel is first placed into the den. But this is what I know. Daniel's human. And being human, if you're in there with lions, you're going to be afraid. You're going to be scared. You're going to be like, what is going to go on? And yet, I have a feeling when he got down, it was like so many people who had been martyred by the faith. He started praying and worshiping to his God and said, God, if you choose, fine. If not, I'll be with you soon. Because this 
is what I have done for 80 years of my life. And somehow the power of God comes and it shuts the mouth of the lions. And I believe with all of my heart that this is a literal story. We see miracles many times. We see powerful things that happen. And this was one of those moments where the goodness and the greatness of God comes into Daniel's life. And in the morning, the scripture says that Darius runs to the den. And he yells down into it, Daniel, Daniel, are you okay? Has your God, and I love this next phrase. You should circle it. I love this next phrase. It says this, whom you continually serve. Has your God, whom you continually serve, rescued you from the pit of the lions? And then in verse 22, Daniel says, My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and he gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted up from the den, no wound was found on him. Why? Because he had trusted in his God. He had trusted In His God. Folks, when you do what is right, you can trust God with the results. When you do what's right, whatever happens, you can trust God with the results. When you choose to do what is not right, there are consequences to that as well. You see, the other two administrators who did what was wrong, who did what was not right, when the king found out about that with them, he said, you're going to be kitty litter. And he took them and dropped them in and the lions came and took them out. And then the king did this. He said, everyone in the kingdom now, you are to turn to the God of Daniel. Now this is what I know about a crowd this size. And for those of you that are on the stream, some of you are facing some opposition right now. It might be with your family. It might be with a co-worker. It might be with some financial situation. There's some opposition in your life. And this is what I know. When you choose to stay close to God and He raises you up, people will try to tear you down. And when that happens, you don't want to be by yourself. You want to have some people around you. And that's why just looking at the people that are around you, just go ahead, look. And for those of you that are on the stream, look at the people in your room or or think about the people here at church. That we have groups of people that come together and when you're going through opposition, you don't have to face it alone. It's called small groups. And you can be a part of that. And maybe... When they turned in the cards, you're like, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be a part of that. But now all of a sudden you're like, man, I need that. Just check it out. Try one. How's it going to hurt to try one? 
They only meet twice a month. It's not an every week kind of thing. It's just twice a month where you meet together and you have people who love you and encourage you and build you up. I don't know how I would have faced this last season had it not been for my small group. Now, maybe for others of you, what you need to do is you're like, I'm in a small group, but this is what I want to ask you. Are you predetermining, are you predeciding your prayer life? What you need to do is tomorrow morning, you say, you know what? I'm going to try that. I'm just going to kneel by my bed the very first thing I do, and I'm going to pray to God. Because when I kneel to Him, I can stand up for whatever's going to face me in that day. But I'm telling you, if you don't predetermine, if you don't predecide, it won't happen. That's why I encourage people all the time. You want to have a good prayer life? Put it on the alarm on your cell phone. You put it on there, it starts beeping. You're like, ah! And then you're like, oh, I need to pray. I do it at 1 o'clock every day. I do it at 3 o'clock every day. There are certain times that I'm just going to say, I'm going to pray. And if it bugs somebody, so what? I'm going to pray. And it's not some big, long prayer. I usually don't even say anything. I just pray in my mind. But you can do that. And this is what I want you to know. When you do right things, folks, that you can trust God with the results. Because the same God who was with you when you first prayed to Him is still with you today. And He is faithful. He is so faithful to you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for always having our backs. Thank you that even when people want to tear us down or pull us down, that you are always there, God, to build us back up. I know some of you right now, you're in the middle of some opposition. You're facing some opposition in your life. It might be a family member, a friend co-worker, whatever. I want you to know that God is with you. God is for you. He has not left you. He has not left you alone in the lion's den. He is there to be able to rescue, to pull you out whatever you're struggling with. Don't make prayer the last resort. Make it the first thing that you go to. Because Scripture tells us, as we draw close to God, He draws close to us. Now, maybe you are sitting there uh, on the stream right now. Maybe you're sitting here in the auditorium. And the reality is you've never taken a stand for God. You've never kind of taken a stand and said, I want him to be the center of my life. Maybe you've taken a stand at one time, but you drifted away. And maybe today's the first Sunday that you're kind of back into church or you're open to it. But you're like, man, today needs to be a day where I take a stand. And God reminds us that He will help you to stand strong as you turn to Him. He'll give you strength, supernatural strength that will help you. And that when you come to Him, He is there for you. You don't want to go through this world trying to stand by yourself. You need a God who is there to help you stand when you're struggling. 
And so today, if you're like, I need that in my life, Chris. I need Jesus in my life. I need him to be there to help me stand. I need him to be present. I need his forgiveness. I need his love. I need his grace. I need a new start with him. Then I'm going to invite you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but we pray together in community. We pray as one, believing that God is going to help us to stand strong regardless of the opposition that we face. And so I invite you right now just to close your eyes, to bow your head, and to simply repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe you died for me and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray.